these. So these are where the questions come from. This yeah. is where it stems from. This is what makes it fun. I mean, it's worth it to not get caught for murder. Welcome back to Creepy Campfire, your source for all things strange, the unexplainable, the infamous, and the mysterious. Here are your hosts, Jordan and Ryan. Hey, Jordan. How's it going this week? It's going well. How about yourself? Another day in the life. Yeah. Tired, I'm, actually. Just really, I feel like it's what I say every time, but I'm just tired. It's been a tiring year. Uh, you know, here we are on the... Well, this is pretty much a year, right? Is this of, March? Of the vid? Of the vid? Of the vid, yeah. The year the, of the, the vid. The we shall, not, we shall not speak of? The, no, the worst zodiac sign. The, the year of the vid. The vid. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad the vaccines are rolling through. I think I'm eligible for it. I wouldn't so, be surprised. If I am, then you should be. Just about everybody is almost, um, but trying to schedule an appointment to actually get in there and mm-hmm. get it's fun. But yeah, you're the vid. Yeah. It's been it's been a crazy one. Still a lot going on. Uh even though it's, you know, it again, again I, feel, I feel like 2020 took forever, but it also flew by. Like it just a bit yeah, a bit it was both. A crazy year. But uh yeah, just whenever we get the time and the chance to get together and do this, because <laughs> I know it's been harder to between you and me. It's been hard. It's been hard the these first, last couple of months. But like quarter of this month has just kicked me right in the shins. It's it's actually it's been great. It's been wonderful. Like good things have happened. I've just been busier than I think I've ever been. Yeah, you've had some huge ups and a couple of big downs coming back. You know you. Mm-hmm side projects unexpected side projects unexpected expenditures and Mm -hmm. between birthday trips and i mean that's the positive but yeah yeah a lot going on but i mean i'm here i'm not dying yeah yeah we we're just thankful to be here that's right and to be able to do this you know what else we're thankful for you listeners all of you and we want to hear from you guys. If you could, reach out to us, creepycampfirepodcast at gmail.com. Email us in your stories. And if you can, give us a call on the voicemail. That number is going to be 916-359-9446. If you guys got any stories of any kind, you saw weird lights in the sky, you had a ghost in your room in the middle of the night, wasn't playing nice, Bigfoot, anything, give us a call email us hit us up on the instagram creepy campfire podcast we want to hear it and we want to put it on the show as soon as we get those emails we go through them and we're like hey next topic that's right we've already had a few episodes drop where where people suggested them um they had a little bit of input on them too we Mm -hmm. thank you guys for that and the more involved you guys are the better that's right and heads up on the on the voicemail when you guys go to leave that voicemail it's going to cap you off at about three minutes don't worry, though, if it cuts you short and you just call back and you keep leaving them because I want to get those voicemails put into the episode so people can hear y'all's beautiful voices. That's the end goal. And get some, some listener stories out there. That's right. So, Jordan, do you remember what we're talking about this week? I don't remember what it's called. I remember you touching on it slightly and me being very intrigued because I love conspiracy theories, especially when they have to do with... Uh, the global elite. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about Bohemian Grove today. Bohemian Grove. Bohemian God, Grove. It sounds cool. I want to be a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you do. Like maybe, but maybe not. 
for a couple reasons. I guess that's what this episode is here to tell us, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll get there. Um, so before we get into the actual location of Bohemian Grove, mm-hmm. um, that's located, I think, less than two miles or two hours from us. Not two miles; it's too close. Two hours from us. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll we'll go a little back into the history a little bit and where it, where it started, and work our way up. Sounds <clears> good because <throat> I have no idea what it is. <laughs> good. <laughs> And if anyone is interested in this topic a lot, I know um, he's got a little bit of a dubious reputation, uh, but I'd really recommend checking out the Alex Jones documentary, Dark Secrets Inside the Bohemian Grove. He actually infiltrated into the camp that we're going to talk about and got some firsthand footage. Um, The views on the documentary might be skewed one way or the other, but, I mean, he got in there and he saw things. So, Oh, is there a whole documentary on Bohemian Grove? Oh, there's a couple. But but he got in there and he got footage in there. So Wow. Yeah. So regardless of how you feel about the guy, I don't know enough about him to comment, but I know he's got a rep. He's got some tenacity. As Rocky would say, they don't remember you, they remember the rep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, any excuse to throw on some Rocky. That's right. But you could, you, I, would, I would recommend checking that out. For sure. But, good old Wikipedia. Let's start at the beginning. The tradition of a summer encampment was established six years after, after the Bohemian Club was formed in 1872. Henry Edwards, a stage actor and founding member, announced that he was relocating to New York City to further his career. On June 29, 1878... Somewhat fewer than 100 Bohemians gathered in the Redwoods in Marin County near Taylorville, which is present-day Samuel P. Taylor State Park, for an evening send-off party in Edward's honor. Freely flowing liquor and some Japanese lanterns put on a glow on the festivities, and club members retired at a late hour to modest comfort blankets laid on the dense mat of Redwood needles. This festive gathering was repeated. I don't know why it turned into William Shatner. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> You're spacing. It's great. This festive gathering was repeated the next year without Edwards and became the club's yearly encampment. By 1882, the members of the club camped together at various locations in both Marin and Sonoma County, including the present-day Mere Woods, and a redwood grove that once stood near Duncan Mills, several miles down the Russian River from the current location. From 1893, Bohemians rented the location and in 1899 purchased it from Melvin Cyrus Meeker, who had developed a successful logging operation in the area. Gradually over the decades, members of the club purchased the surrounding land and original location to the perimeter of the basin in which it resides. So it started them just kind of meeting so together. So moved around a little bit at first? Moved around a little bit at first. They didn't have a set location. They were just kind of a club looking for a place to hang and have had this little yearly party that they started as a send-off, and they were like, this is a good time. We should keep this going. Um, and this party is what everyone really focuses on. I mean, the group itself is kind of mm, like they're, they're worried about it, but they don't have a lot of interaction that people are aware of other than this party nowadays. Mm-hmm. So... That's why the the party is kind of the central focus of the topic. I didn't know it when I made it out to Sonoma too. Yeah, they kind of far. bounced around the the Bay Area <laughs> a little bit, mm-hmm. and then they uh, they finally settled settled there. Which let me see. So when they originally uh, began renting the area in the Redwoods in 1890, 1893, they purchased it in nineteen oh one. 
they purchased 160 acres, but that has since grown from 160 acres to 2,700 acres, twice the size of Central Park. Wow. Yeah, so they own twice the size of Central Park, Um, and it does have security. If you found, you will be arrested, so do not go trespassing. There's been some people that have done that, and we'll talk about them. Um, but don't. Is that the perimeter? That is the perimeter. Oh my god! Yeah, huge, huge. I feel like you'd just be at the end of it, and you just see like one big tent, one big <laughs> tent in the middle, and just <laughs> I just want to be there. I want to be doing that. That's right. Let's see. Bunch of swinging dicks. <laughs> you have no idea how right you are because freely peeing seems to be one of the majority things they care about is just being able to whip it out and have a wicked piss anywhere you want (laughs) (laughs) under the table feel free on your leg good to go jordan do you know what bohemian means i feel like it's a term thrown around a lot and everyone assumes you know because you've heard it so much but i don't know the only context I have is Rhapsody. Yeah, right. And I right. don't, you know, as much as I love that song and I've heard it a million times, I don't know uh, the essence of the meaning of it. <laughs> gotcha. I mean, I had to Google it because I didn't know, but I'm like, I probably should know since it's part of the name of this group. Yeah, you know. Uh, but Bohemian is defined by Webster's as a socially unconventional person, especially one who is involved in the arts. Okay. And that's the origin of this group. Because they started off as a lot of um, theater people, a lot of journalists especially, mm-hmm. um, and people just really involved in the arts, which is why this party was so lit, because you had all these artsy people throwing a good time. Yeah. And you had actual entertainment to make it good. It's since changed, um, and it's changed because not long after the club's establishment by newspaper journalists primarily, it was commandeered by a prominent San Francisco-based businessman who provided the financial resources necessary to acquire the land at the Grove. Um, They still retained the Bohemian moniker, um, but since then it's it's shifted. So originally, you know, it was just guys coming together because they agreed about... You know, the central tenets of, of a creed that I don't have at the moment. <laughs> yeah, but they probably, you know, probably come together in some sort of... But they just wanted to come come together and kind of um, kind of thumb their nose at society, society a little bit and do things their way and not a not the way that they were... It was being pressed upon them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they invited a few businessmen in and then they had the resources to really turn this thing into something, something elevated. Um, so since then... The businessmen kind of had a little bit more and more say. They had them more involved, so this could kind of grow into something different. And it's since changed from being a bunch of um, artists and journalists into mostly businessmen and world leaders, which is why anyone cares about this at all. Because you don't care if a bunch of like musicians are out pissing in the woods, but yeah. you do care if prime ministers and presidents are. Yeah, well, people. You, I mean, obviously, it just seems like you know the people with the funding were the ones that came in and started. If, they, if we can back it, then we're going to kind of take charge. So here is some of the latest statistics of it. Now, the the earliest ones I can, or the closest ones I could find are, are stats from 2009. Mm. Um, but this is a 501c tax-exempt organization. So it means all of their financial records have to be made public. So if you really want to dig in and find, you can find their stuff. But their, their initiation fee currently 
is at $25,000, and that's just the initiation fee, not counting yearly dues. Uh, there is a 15-year wait list to gain entry. It is a men's-only club, and there is 2,500 mem- members registered today. Wow. Yeah. Um, every every Republican president, except for Donald Trump, going all the way back to Her- Herbert Hoover, has been a member of the Bohemian Grove. Okay. Um, they, were like I, no, they were like no Trump? Or I'm sorry, the Bohemian <laughs> Club. Yeah, you have Club. to be invited to this. And, and even though all of these presidents have been invited... They typically didn't show up during their term, but they've been there before and after. Okay. Um, so just a reminder of that list. Starting, we've got Herbert Hoover, who was president from 29 to 33. Dwight Eisenhower, president from 53 to 61. Nixon, president from 69 to 74. Gerald Ford from 74 to 77. President Ronald Reagan from 1981 to 1989. President H.W. Bush from 89 to 93, a great year, and because I was born, and George W. Bush from 2001 to 2009. All of those Republican presidents have been members, either have been or still are. Wow. Um, we have prominent business people like Herbert Hoover. I'm surprised Nixon made it in. <laughs> There's actually there's a photo of him there. There's very few photos of anything at the Grove because mm-hmm. you've ba- basically got to sneak it in. Because even though it was made up of journalists, you know it was this is really a place meant for all these people that have these stressors, these big businessmen, these high politicians to just let their hair down and piss on any tree they want. Like seriously, every article I read and story talked about them peeing wherever they wanted. It was just a place for them to come and not care and chill out. Better not be any carpets down. <laughs> but there's a picture of Nixon and Reagan there before they were president um, at the Grove. And it's thought, oh, well, why were they there? Were they being groomed for something? Yeah. What's happening here? So a lot of people are concerned about the Grove because since you have so many high-profile um, high names there, they're like, is our decisions being made behind our back? And I'm getting two camps from everything I've seen. One is just like, no, they're just a bunch of rich people getting drunk. The other one is, no, like there's actually things happening and almost like a new world order thing going on. So hmm. we're going to see if it's one or the other or a blend of them. Okay. I think it's a new world order. <laughs> I'll trust them. As soon as you get all that money in one spot, all those names that hold way too much power. Yeah. It's got to be more, more more to it. So other than the presidents, we've got members like Clint Eastwood, Harry Kissinger, or Henry Kissinger, Walter Cronkite, Charles Schwab, Ambrose Bierce, Bret Hart, Mark Twain, and Jack London. Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. So we've got some high names in there. We've got CEOs. We've got some presidents. We have a few... Um, few big journalists in there which is kind of the core of the situation um all hanging out at this place this 25 or 2700 acre grove and you know they don't utilize all that space oh no but they do have a lot there there's a lot of camps there so must be grown by the year 
So they do. Ha- they've got um, separate camps, and usually when you get brought in as an, as an initiate, you're you're groomed in a part of a certain camp, and that's where you kind of return to every year. Um, so you've got these separate camps: the hillbillies, the Mandalay, caveman, stowaway, uplifters, owl's nest, hideaway, Isle of Aves, lost angels, Silverado squatters, semper virens. Some we're going to go with that hillside and idle wild and that's the names of these different camps which seem to be different cliques within the grove yeah but they're specific campsites um each camp has a captain and one of his many jobs is upkeep um in the sonoma county contractors have performed a variety of tasks at these camps and have called the requested work simple and eco-friendly so they're not building nuclear testing sites and things like that, um, but they are. They do have these encampments and little cliques within the grove, um, and they're not just cliques. They're very powerful and, and high-ranking ones. It sounds like a Burning Man for the rich. Basically. So speaking of Burning Man, I'm going to go and talk about the main ritual that they have. Okay. Um, that was... One of the things caught on film by Alex Jones. Um, so it's called The Cremation of Care. Okay. Yeah. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> so The Cremation of Care Ceremony is a theatrical production in which some of the club's members participate as actors. It was first conducted in 1881. The production was devised by James F. Bowman with George T. Bromley playing the high priest. It was originally set up within the plot of the serious hijinks dramatic performance on the first weekend of the summer encampment after which the spirit of quote care was slain by jinx the hero was solemnly cremated Hmm. ceremony served as a catharsis for pent-up high spirits and to quote present symbolically the salvation of the trees by the club end quote the cremation of care was separated from the other grove plays in 1913 and moved to the first night to become an exercising of the demon to ensure the success of the ensuing two weeks. So, the ceremony takes place in front of the owl shrine. The moss and lichen-covered statue simulates a natural rock formation yet holds electrical and audio equipment within it. For many years, a recording of the voice of club member Walter Cronkite was used as the voice of the owl during the ceremony. Music and pyrotechnics accompany the ritual for dramatic effect. Damn. Yeah. This is a production. This is a production. Um, I didn't know there was like a little like religious spin on it too, kind of. I mean, not specifically, but... It is, and it depends on who you talk to for how... um, uh, how seriously they take it. So, like, the the club's patron saint is John Nepomuk, who, according to legend, suffered death at the hands of the Bohemian monarch rather than disclose the confession secrets of the queen. Uh, a large wood carving of St. John in cleric robes with his index finger over his lips stands at the shore of the lake at the grove, symbolizing the secrecy kept by the grove's attendees. Since the founding of the club, the Bohemian grove's mascot has been an owl symbolizing wisdom a 30-foot hollow owl statue that we talked about earlier stands at the head of the lake in the grove and it was designed by sculptor and two-time club president haig patigan it was constructed in the late 20s and since 1929 the owl shrine has served 
as a backdrop of the yearly cremation of care ceremony we talked about. So let me find their motto real fast, and then I'll go into my spiel. I also want to know, we're going to have to determine by the end of this which camp we would belong to. (laughs) Those are some very interesting names. Like that made it, I don't know why that made it sound like a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's because you get a team. That's why. Yeah. You want to, everybody wants to be on a team. I don't know why I figured it was some like all encompassing one big sorted deal. Not that, uh, these people were like splitting up into like, it feels like camp. It's like fraternities. Yeah. Which makes sense because most of these people have went and been a part of fraternities and, Mm -hmm. and you know, and, uh, I would hope that you can make your way around though. Oh, I'm sure you can. Like I'm sure. Yeah, there. I'm sure. Like I know, like I was there last week. Yeah, right. No, uh, you're stuck to your tent. People had some major dirt on this place. That's some pretty intricate knowings. Does your camera have? Here it is. So their creed is "Weaving spiders, come not here." Um, that was taken from a from Shakespeare, I believe. But it really that along with the cremation of care ceremony kind of sums up what they say the whole whole thing with this is come here people that are they're toiling away at you know with all the stresses of the world um don't bring work here don't stress you are another person here like let your hair down and and let's let's do this and that's why they say they start with the cremation of care ceremony because a lot like burning man you know you, you burn up care you that's the symbol for all the things you're you're worried about, you're stressing about, you're tripping on. You burn that up. You have a good time. You go home. Yeah. That's what has been said about it. However, it's very it's done very ritualistically. Mm-hmm. Um, I wash it all away at the start. So, because it's so ritualistic, people are like, "Oh, is this an occult thing happening here? Mm-hmm. Are they actually worshiping something? Is this?" more than what it's made out to be. It's kind of weird that you've got a big um, owl idol that you're sacrificing this thing to Mm -hmm. in front of it. Um, What's all that coming from? So all those kind of things pick and pull and and are what freak people out. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to get together and, you know, party. It's another thing to get together and and have an idol or something that you're making offerings to. Strange strange yeah i mean unless you're (laughs) that sounds like a church but it's but (laughs) it depends on the context i go back and forth on it because on one hand i understand something having a mascot yeah a lot of things have mascots Mm -hmm. but it's like when does an ascot become an idol yeah not ascot that's what you wear around (laughs) your neck a mascot become an idol um and i think it's whether we believe this is happening literally um as they say it or if it's meant for something higher and it's just being masked as what it is. Yeah. I can kind of see both happening. I can see people joining it and being like, oh, well, you know, it's just a fun thing that they do. Mm -hmm. Because it seems like a very fraternity type thing. Because I don't know if you were ever involved in those circles in college. I thought I wanted to and learned I did not. No. But you got ritual things like that. That most people don't, you don't take it seriously enough. They don't care about it enough. It's just a theatrical thing to do. Some people do. Well, and then coming in from the outside, you're not like, I'm. I, I mean, who are you to impose on something that they might already have going? Right. Right. So, 
that's a decent little breakdown of the Grove, um, what goes on there. Let's hear from some worker experiences. Oh, cool. Insiders. I've, yeah, I found this at Gawker, um, gawker.com. They interviewed a few people that worked there and what they experienced while they were at the Grove. Now, real quick before we get into it, because there's a few lady um, employees, women employees, female employees. I'm not sure what the correct way to say that without being demeaning is. Uh, <laughs> so I just used I them all. You, I think you, yeah, you I just, your, just hit them all. You got your bases covered. Um, I don't have the exact date here, but the Grove is male only. So they only also employed male employees okay because they're very catered to during this they're out there getting like plastered in the woods having a good time food is being served to them anything they need is being brought to them um so you got to have a good staff to do that Mm -hmm. they used to be male only and being that they are a 501c corporation or organization sorry they have to abide by um, labor laws yeah labor laws Mm -hmm. so they were they were in trouble for not hiring any women and they were roundabout way being like, well, it's because everyone's whipping, whipping it out and peeing on stuff. We don't want ladies seeing that. Yeah. So they eventually, it didn't matter. They they're like, well, that's not our problem. They have to hire women now, but the, the female staff doesn't interact with the guests. They're more behind the scenes where all the male staff is typically who goes out and interacts with them. Interesting. So, yeah. So again, it's another thing you can kind of take both ways. It's a little strange. How do uh, I get a serving gig there? <laughs> apparently, it's really easy. Apparently, really? It's, yeah, for the town that they that this happens in, it's like a common high school kid job to do. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say it sounds like a easy way to go and make a pretty decent amount, depending on tips out there. We'll see. Depending on tips is the key, and the right kind of tips. I don't want to see no tips. I just want to <laughs> <laughs> walking away. Oh man. <laughs> Let's see. So here's one one person. If you get hired if you don't get hired at the Grove, you probably have a felony on your record or showed up at the interview looking terrible, said Olivia, who worked one year as a server and served and several years as a valet. For valet parking, there was no training whatsoever. Like none, she remembered. They just throw you to the wolves. You're parking like three hundred thousand dollar Bentleys and they're just like go fast as you can. Fast, fast, fast. Another, um, Olivia then says, the Grove is the middle of nowhere in the middle of nowhere, said Devin, who worked there as a server for two summers. The camp was situated outside the tiny isolated town of Monte Rio, miles from even a gas station. Because of the limitations on women's movement in the camp, employees who worked at the dining circle were shuttled through the camp to workplaces. After making it down a twisty driveway, past the security gates into a huge dusty parking lot we'd line up to be carted into packed vans 15 at a time up an internal dirt road if you got there late a line would form and you could look forward to an unpaid 40 minutes of waiting time for the shuttle dang yeah the sprawling grounds contain dozens of individual camps which range from incredibly rustic with canvas tents on wooden platforms that barely have electricity to straight up standalone structures with personal chefs and full bars Members wander between these camps, getting progressively drunker as they go, peeing on trees as they please, even in the designated no-pee zone where the employee shuttles would bring us down to our cars. 
quote, once as I was driven the quarter mile distance between the dining hall and the parking lot, I witnessed a dozen drunk men stumbling around, said Stephen, who worked as a dishwasher in the kitchen. Kitchen. They were peeing on trees, which are only feet from the road. Others would not yield to our employee truck. We had to drive behind them at a snail's pace, end quote. Wow. My friends and I were aware of the Grove's lingering mystique. We knew that the powerful conservative figures like Donald Rumsfeld and Dick Cheney were known to make appearances, though not all of us could recognize them. We heard of the cremation of care ceremony that kicks off at each encampment. Our members are decked out in cult-like robes and an effigy is burned on the property's lake. Many of us had heard the legendary tale of an early meeting for the Manhattan Project, which took place at the Grove in 1942. Oh, jeez. Despite these quirks, working at the Grove was largely like any other boring, crappy service industry job, something to slog through for spending money. What truly separated the Grove from most normal jobs was not, as pre- not its prestige, but the long hours and short overall duration. While working there, it pretty much consumed my life, Cameron said. I'd wake up around noon, get ready, and go to the Grove, clock in around 2 p.m., and I usually wouldn't get home until midnight or later. And I'd just pass out, and then I'd wake up and start again. <clears throat> Sounds like a pretty good deal. For Bohemian Club members and their guests, the Grove is a place where they can be themselves, fraternize drunkenly, pee on trees, and otherwise engage in behavior that doesn't usually fly for people of their stature in regular world. For the staff, the opposite is true. We were instructed to refer to all members as gentlemen, and appearances were highly policed. The night before my first day at the encampment, I got a dress code reminder email. It excluded any men with hair past their ears or even a little stubble. The ladies were forbidden from dangling earrings, long bangs, and glitter. This was attached. Once I wore a clear piercing in my eyebrow just to test the waters, I was immediately sent home, said Megan, who worked as a server for two summers. I had to take it out for each shift. My face was usually low-key infected. Bandages were seen as preferable to visible tattoos. Uh, There was this girl who always had this giant bandage on her neck. I was like, oh man, that girl's neck is effed up. But no, (laughs) it was really just a crappy tattoo, said Megan. (laughs) (laughs) So like like dress codes and things like that. Yeah. You you got people out there wilding. Um, Man, I'm not not as excited. I don't want to go. I don't want to go work it anymore. And then they talk about the theaters that they put on because they still do put on theater productions. Uh, This is what one staff member said. It was some of the worst theater I've seen, said Will, who worked with the productions. Sometimes it's a stage designer that's able to make an entire set from pieces of garbage. Then some guy shows up who's never done lights before, so he just makes everything pink. Then there's a guy who's on his fifth glass of wine and reading off a script, said Will, still in disbelief. And they're all on the same stage together. Kevin, who worked in the maintenance crew for two summers, remembered Henry Kissinger making a cameo in a play that featured a stoner character literally named Toker. Quote, at one point, Kissinger, bearing a big, long-haired wig and a tie-dye shirt, comes stumbling out of Toker's trailer, followed by a huge billow of smoke. He says in a deadpan voice, I never inhaled. The audience laughed quite a bit. End quote. Oh, my God. So... It's tough because we have we have all this like debauchery going down, mm-hmm. which let's be honest, a bunch of guys get together. This kind of crap's going to happen. I don't care if you're broke. I don't care if you're some of the most powerful men. Especially if alcohol is involved. Absolutely. Now, I would hope you would have a little bit of 
control about yourself. Show a little restraint. But it makes sense that the most people, the people that have to be the most uptight and the most consistent would wild out the most. Oh yeah. When they're on their own. For sure. So we have all this kind of stuff happening, but at the same time we do have like the Manhattan project pretty much was thought up here. We have presidents that weren't presidents yet showing up here and then becoming elected officials. We have all the playmakers in this spot. Now, well, let me correct that a little bit. When I say all the playmakers, all the conservative white male playmakers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they were the playmakers for sure. It's very, like, it's the same aesthetic. We don't have uh, uh, very many liberal which is weird because it started in San Francisco, a very liberal area. I mean, even the Sonoma area, I'd say, is still you could still say that about. Mm-hmm. So it had a very liberal origin, but I think that's with the entrance of the businessmen shifted hard conservative. Yeah. So you have the same demographic of people here, but they also, you know, I mean, old white men tend to lead the country. Yep. Whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a young white male, so... Working out, working out that one. Yeah, but feeling that, uh, feeling that, um, that privilege. Obli- yeah, an unfortunately, obligatory. <laughs> and that's why we have this kind of struggle of it's just a bunch of drunk guys partying it up for a couple weeks mm-hmm. versus no, they're out here, new world ordering, making sacrifices, and planning nuclear and mm-hmm. atomic bombs, burning effigies on the lakes, right? Coming mm-hmm. up plans for the Manhattan Project and getting presidents elected. Yeah, that scares me. And I think a little bit of both can be happening at the same time. I don't think it has to be this either or. Because you network. Mm-hmm. It's just life. That's what you know. You find somebody that's in a similar circle as you or it could be beneficial to you. Even if you're not just strictly being selfish, you're like, oh, we could help each other out. Two heads are always better than one. And even though the whole weaving spiders not come here, don't bring your work here policy is mm-hmm. part of it. It's just natural that you're going to things are going to come up in conversation well yeah and the manhattan project i'm sure you know those kind of things as they as they come up they're not necessarily i mean they're still scientific mm-hmm. and it is probably what you're doing as far as you know your work goes but it's still it had to be fleshed out somehow it had to be a you know it was somebody's dream or idea right unfortunately but and there is an annual there's a talk that get that happens a lakeside talk um a speech that's given every year and i believe that's how the manhattan project was was brought about was that lakeside chat and i mean a lot of these guys are politicians or they're high businessmen that have to network anyway so even if they're not on the job it's just what they have to do all the time Mm -hmm. and if you're let's say running for president a lot of that of your political interactions are like oh i got a good feel from this guy i think i'll support him Oh, he's not going to be in my interest? Okay, I'm not going to support him. So it's all hanging out anyway. It's just hanging out professionally. Making and breaking your ties. So I feel like a bit of both. Like, yeah, they're out there partying, but powerful people are going to do what powerful people do because that's how they got where they are. Yeah, everybody's going to find an outlet. Now, there's been a lot of people that are concerned about it. They want to break up the club. They don't think um, they think that whatever hap- is happening there needs to be disclosed to the public. Well, because that I don't mind. I, I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Because the argument is, if what's happening there is affecting the public, then it should be public knowledge. Mm-hmm. I agree with that somewhat. 
but I don't think the expressed purpose of this place is for that. I think it's just something that happens organically. Because mm-hmm. it's one thing if like you're sitting down, and you're like, okay, we're having a meeting on the Manhattan Project today. Yeah. Or we're having a meeting about how to get Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan elected to president today. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, I, yeah, I want to know about that. Yeah. But if it's just like, oh, um, yeah, I brought my buddy here, here, uh, Ronald. Won't won't you say hi, Dick? Um, then you're just you're just introducing people. You're just meeting. Things are happening organically. You can't have an agenda in a meeting or in a, a minutes list. Yeah. For that, you can't disclose it. But if you have global policy being created, yeah, that's another story. But then, how much of that's happening in the White House, or not in the White House, but in Washington, mm-hmm. just at a cafe? But you're not having yeah. that cafe disclose what happened. True. So that's why I have a hard time with it. Is it's I go back and forth. I, I just that's just how it is. I go back and forth on it. I do wonder what happens. I don't know if I think it's expressly evil or has a, a um a specific intention. I think there's just a lot of organic interactions that happen there. Well, I feel like as soon as you as soon as a group or an individual no matter what size of group, you know, group potentially, but if somebody is determining or a group of people are determining what and what what not people should know about. Mm-hmm. That's where I get a little, I get a little iffy. I don't know. I mean, I, I get that there are some things that maybe the mass public shouldn't necessarily be privy to right off the bat. Right. Just to maybe avoid uh, mass hysteria, potentially, depending on what the situation is. But still, I'm. I don't know. Is it right? No. But that's again. That's where that breaks down. Is it's everybody's got a different determination of what's right and wrong. So right, it's hard to it's hard to find that balance. Yeah, what's for the greater good? I suppose. Yeah, that's what I always have to question. Like, is it better off that I maybe don't know it from the beginning? Yeah, because I do think there's some things like that. Like, I don't need to know this troop movement right now. Why would you Mm -hmm. put that on the news? Then the enemy's going to know and they're going to find out. And that's all I'm thinking about. (laughs) Tell me that later. You know. But then, if like you said, like big public policies is coming about, like oh, hold on, I vote on you, mm-hmm. and I vote sometimes on those policies. I want to know about that. Yeah, I guess it depends on the how biggest you know how big a sway that's making. You know how much it's covering. Yeah, who all it's covering. So that huh. that's happening. Um, the financial records tend to throw some red flags up because it's very consistent. Um, since at least 2011, they rec- regularly um, have a profit of, or they have a, a revenue, I should say, of $10 million every year. Who does? The group, the Bohemian Club, has a revenue of $10 million every year. I... Who... So wait, everybody involved is making that money? Or? No, so the cl- the organization as a whole. Oh, okay. Yeah, it'd be like saying like the the Masons. The CEO of it? I don't know. What's, yeah. Ugh. So the whole organization is bringing in a revenue of $10 million That's crazy. A year. It's a lot of money, but considering the company that's there, I don't feel like it's that much. And a lot of people are, are like, well, it's too consistent. Because, you know, there's been a lot of change between um, the economy, between you know, in those True. times. Yeah. So why is it so consistent? 
and I almost feel like they don't they don't they don't uh, adjust to inflation, <laughs> right? <laughs> but when you have all these people here, CEOs that have a lot of money and mm-hmm. ten million dollars, like to some of them is not that much. Yeah, like it. I mean, it, it will put a dent in their pocket, but it's not going to break their bank. Yeah, not something they want to give up willy nilly. But to me, it, that ten million almost feels like we'll keep this. Like it's it's just our little financial account. It's just our play money so we can put these productions on i was gonna say some of that goes back into the facilitation of the whole deal and it seems like it's almost it's not money that they have to go out and work for and bring in it's just what they have that they try to keep in the account every year yeah that's what i almost feel like it's like and let's do some quick math here so i said there's 2500 members and we've got a twenty five thousand dollar initiation fee just that alone is 62.5 million dollars so and obviously, you're not initiating 2,500 people every year mm-hmm. because then we're you know, it's way off of that $10 million budget. Yeah. But I'm sure I don't know what yearly dues are, but I'm sure all of that keeps it fairly consistent with people that have consistent budgets year in and year out. Yeah. I just want to know what that cash is being pooled for. That's a lot of money. I, I genuinely money. think it's just booze and these crappy theater productions. You guys gotta up you gotta up the production okay because i mean they, they, it's going to be a crappy put together play but they probably have like a f- like sixty thousand dollar light system you know yeah because they, they can mm-hmm. but and plus there was what 12 camps for them to maintain and all these people that they hire every summer that's insane all the shuttling that happens oh yeah i wonder what the staffing looks like there so it sounds like like disneyland for basically for higher-ups yeah pretty much pretty much <laughs> So all that being said, what do you? Th- I've I've went on and on about what I think is happening here. What do you feel about it? Are you worried about it? I'm definitely worried about it. As soon as well, I mean, just for anything. As soon as there's that much money in one place, I'm, uh, I'm a little anxious, um, just because I'm sure it's not all being used in the right way. Right. But who am I to determine? But um, I mean, without any sort of context as far as you know real um going out and seeing it firsthand or anything like that right right it's hard i I mean i want to hope that they're just going out there and partying and having a good time and you know letting loose after you know work because you you gotta assume that they're we think that we are stressed on a regular basis and we have our outlets for relieving that but i they gotta be going pretty pretty hard oh yeah year round some of them at least um so depending you know they go out there they do what they want as long as it's not uh too culty that i'm <laughs> <laughs> that i'm good yeah as soon as anything starts going down the road where you know you do have i mean rituals aren't necessarily you know a bad thing by nature mm-hmm. but um i feel like it depends on how big and how intricate and for what reason right so the fact that there are rituals kind of scares me. I get that. It feels it feels very for like fraternity to me. Yeah, and not that. knowing that life either, it's hard. It's again, it's really hard for me to speculate on. But but even though that's what it feels like to me, 
it's how that person is taking it because it just takes one person to take the spiritual side of it. Because whether yeah. you want to whether you want to admit that's what you're doing or not, you're taking a spiritual ceremony. Yeah, and you're you're using it either as symbolically or you're taking it wholeheartedly. Yep. Majority of people are probably going to be like, I don't believe in this any like I don't have a higher power or a faith at all. This is just something we're doing to be fun idiots. If it's looked at more as of a uh, like a tradition, that's one thing. But that's the thing is it only takes a few people to like really be in it and yeah. be like, no, you don't understand the power of the owl, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and and then it morphs into something else. Mm-hmm. And the, it's because of the circle and the company that is kept there. If that happened, we're talking to some of the most powerful people in our country, if not the world, going potentially thinking that way yeah. for cocoa puffs. Yeah. So somebody did... That's what scares me. (laughs) Someone other than Alex Jones did break in there into the Grove. Um, I believe he broke in there. I'm not sure if it says specifically um, when he did, but he broke in, I think, during the off-season when no one's meeting there to party. Okay. They have staff there, like, year-round? I don't believe so. Um, I'm sure they probably have have security staff there year-round. Yeah. And maybe a little bit of a maintenance crew. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not jumping off every couple weeks there. So, this comes to us from the SanFranciscoGate.com. A bumbling hooded commando calling himself the Phantom Patriot invaded the fabled grounds of the Bohemian Grove during the weekend, hoping for a shootout. What he got was a good night's sleep in a cot reserved for one of the club's captains of industry and a date with the prison psychologist. Richard McCaslin. Mm, 37, of Carson City, Nevada, pleaded not guilty in Sonoma County Superior Court yesterday. And this article was written in 02. In 02. Huh. By a Peter Fimright. Okay. So he pleaded not guilty to five felony counts, including arson, burglary, brandishing a weapon at a peace officer after he allegedly sneaked into the exclusive Russian River encampment carrying an arsenal of weapons. That I like even less. If, I mean, if the guy was just going in there to kind of sneak a peek, that's one thing. But if he's going no. in there trying to like... No, he went in there with homemade bombs and grenades, with a crossbow, um, with, I believe, a shotgun. Dude. Um, with, yeah, a lot, lot of... Jesus. Like he, was, he was ready. Trying to cause some damage. He was ready. Ooh, um, He told the Chronicle during a Gerald House interview that he went to Monte Rio retreat Saturday night Intent on exposing child abuse and human sacrifice and punishing the perpetrators. Quote, I was expecting armed resistance and I would have fired back if I was fired upon, he said. The bizarre episode is the latest brouhaha. Yeah. That's a word. A very old one. (laughs) It's more of like an exclamation. Well, this dumb redneck don't know it. No, you're right. I've only heard it like a handful of times my whole life, but so this bizarre episode uh, involving the Bohemian Club, which for years has provided fodder for conspiracy theories, has been attacked by women's groups. Club representatives insist that the nonprofit organization, founded in 1872 by five newspapermen, a Shakespearean actor, vintner, and local merchant, is dedicated to the simple enjoyment of music, literature, and drama. Quote, we're very concerned and disturbed by the fact that this individual would trespass on our property armed as he was with the intent of doing harm, said Matt O'Garrow, general manager of the Bohemian Club. 
quote, his allegations are totally irresponsible, highly offensive, and grossly false. But the well-spoken and seemingly lucid McCaslin is convinced that there are hidden torture chambers and other horrors at the club. He told how he was inspired by Austin, Texas radio personality Alex Jones. Jones says he has seen bizarre Luciferian ceremonies at the idolic 2,000-plus-acre Redwood Grove during the club's annual two-week summer encampment. Hmm. So you went in there on a whim, thinking that there was going to be some crazy stuff to take down. Yeah, and he was ready. He was wearing a bulletproof vest, blue fatigues, um, and Phantom Patriot spelled out, spelled out in red letters across his chest with a rubber mask when he crept into the grove. He quickly found himself hopelessly lost and bouncing off the trees in the pitch dark after his flashlight went out. Feeling almost silly, he said he felt his way into the cabin, flopped down on the cot, and went to sleep. The next morning, McCaslin said he discovered the club's giant owl idol and would have blown it up if he had explosives. Instead, he placed an Old Testament verse from Leviticus at the base of the statue. Alone with no enemy or anyone else in sight, McCaslin decided to set fire to the camp's mess hall, but sprinklers extinguished the flames. He soon was confronted by Sonoma County Sheriff's deputies. He said he was expecting resistance, but gave up quietly when he realized the deputies were legitimate officers of the law. This oh, guy's just insane. It, he he went there. So Sheriff's Lieutenant Bruce Rochester said that besides the outlandish, outlandish costume, McCaslin was armed with a double-barrel shotgun, assault rifle hybrid, two-foot sword, 45 caliber pistol, crossbow, knife, and a handmade bomb launcher. Quote, we've had protesters and stuff at the Bohemian Grove, but I've been here 24 years and I've never seen, and I don't think any of us will ever will again see, a guy come here dressed like that in our careers. Good God, that's a nightmare. He was ready, and he found nothing and got arrested. I'm just glad that he gave up without a... Too much of a fight, it seems. Yeah, because he sounds like somebody that would fire back and get shot, or just initiate the firing at this uh, point. Uh, yeah, he doesn't sound like he's got. A well, whole I mean, lot. he set fire to the camp mess yeah. hall. He said he would have blown up the owl if he had anything, but he had a bomb launcher, but he didn't have bombs for the bomb launcher. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Not very prepared. I don't. Obviously, he doesn't have his head on quite right. But don't do what he did. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, oh my God. That's the Bohemian Grove. I, wow. So, I wonder if, well, now I want to know. There's so many, God, that guy opened it wide up. I didn't know that there was any speculation that some uh, some unsavories like that was going on there. Well, that's the whole thing with the rituals, like the whole cremation of care. They're like, oh, well, it's either someone is being burned alive there or it's, the start of what's to come. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, my God. That's insane. I mean, I know that, like, because they were talking about the uh, sex trafficking, or, well, not necessarily sex trafficking, but, like, like I'm sure that's speculated, too, but, like, human sacrifice and yeah. that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. my God. You got, you got a wicker man going out there? Oh Jesus! I feel like that's the uh, the rep of any club. Mm-hmm. Don't join a club because people are going to start saying you sacrifice things, and and like some people might, some clubs might do that. But I don't know. Be careful what you get into. 
I mean, I feel like they got to be pretty well. I don't know. I mean, I it's hard to it's hard to note because people disappear all the time. So that's that's the scariest bit is that it's that happens. It does, as we talked about in our missing four one one episode. Yeah, national park disappearances and and between that and the like, the known amount of like trafficking that goes on in the U.S. that's just despicable, astronomical. Don't understand how it happens when we seem to have these systems in place that mm-hmm. I, I just don't get it. Yeah, that's that's another thing that scares me is because there's got to be a lot of money tied up in that, and it's not all coming from the uh, from the best places. I don't think. New. No. I don't know. I don't know. That's why. I mean. Uh. I mean, like the stuff, the claims about Epstein last year, stuff like that. It's just like I don't know what all circles he ran in, but some really, really high up there ones. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know what people are doing in their spare time. I don't know. I've, I don't know if I want to know. That one's too fresh. Don't say anything. I'm not trying to get hunted down. Ugh. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah. Conspiracies abound. Oh, seriously. Yeah. I mean, that one's, I'm sure that'll be cracked wide open in yeah. decades, but <laughs> I don't know. That's, I, okay, now I want to, now I want to assume better intent. Now I want to assume that it's just going to be a big party for everybody to go. That's, that's what I really hope. I think it's, that's why I, I feel better that way. I think it's just a party. I think that some politicians get together and they, they, they let loose a little bit, let loose. There's some little bit of workings that just happen. Yeah. And that's where I hope it stays. That's the, yeah, that's going to help me sleep better at night. Remember <laughs> to always tip your waitress. Yeah. Or wait her. Yeah. Especially at the Grove. Especially at the Grove. Because, you know, they got to deal with seeing way too many old white dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Nobody should have to go through that. Um, yeah, but that turned me off at work. <laughs> Speaking of wanting to work there. No. Uh, well, this summer I've got free. I might. Oh, no. You know, no. Uh, how, how many people? No. How many painted? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm good. Nope. I'm good. They could do that wherever. Nope. I, think I, I think I'm. I'm Not on my that. leg. High school kids willing to do it? Get in there, buddy. Get in there. Learn some life. I don't know. Learn some life. Learn some life. Get jaded real quick. I didn't know seeing old man's genitals was learning life. Not, not that specific aspect of it, but uh, but customer service. And, you know, I mean, you deal with dicks all day long. You're, you're going to... Even worse if you got to see a couple. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Well, that's the Grove. If you guys have worked oh at the God. Grove, if you oh, know anyone that's been, I want to know. If you live there, hit us up. Again, that voicemail is 916 359 9446. It'll be in the show notes, so you can just give us a buzz. It would make the whole thing worthwhile if somebody put a comment on our fa- on our Instagram page. I got peed on. Creepy Camphorea Podcast. <laughs> that, that they worked there, that they knew anybody, that they had any information to share about it, that painted it in either a better or worse light i don't know let's expose it for what it is or and you can stay let it be i don't know but we want to know yeah 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 firsthand it's the best way yeah oh that's a fun one uh, that's a cool one okay it's a it's a meaty one yeah but that does it for me this week okay you think on your next topic and i can't wait to come back next time yeah, we got a little handful to kind of sort through now, sift through, find sure. a nugget. Well, keep your flies up, <laughs> hold your drinks, and always remember, 
Stay Stay toasty. toasty.